God's called us all to lead. God has called us all to lead. And so we need to understand that. We need to step into the roles of leadership that God gives to us, that God presents to us. And in doing so, there are things that we can do naturally to cooperate with what God's principles are, okay? You know, it's one thing to be called of God. It's another thing to cooperate with God, all right? A lot of people have the call of God on their life and never learn what it is to cooperate with Him. And so they never experience the fullness. I mean, the first thing you have to do to cooperate with Him is say, yes, okay, I'll do what you want me to do, all right? I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to quit my own agenda and give that up and and embrace your agenda for me. But then there are other practical principles that you begin to take and you begin to put into your life. You begin to uh, incorporate into your life. And things that, that better facilitate, better steward the gifts and the calling of God. Um, time management, as practical as it is, is profoundly spiritual. Okay? Learning that you need to get up in the morning. Okay? That if you stay in bed all day, you don't accomplish the purposes of God. I don't care how spiritual it may feel. You know, that there are things that you have to do practically to cooperate with that. Now, I, we've been talking about, we're, we're going to go into the fourth one of these uh, irrefutable laws. Anybody name any of them that we've been in so far? Law of the lid. What does the law of the lid basically say? You can't move past your capacity. That everybody has a capacity. And that if you want to to, uh, accomplish more, you have to increase your leadership capacity. And there are things you can do to to accomplish that. What's another one of the uh, law of influence? What does it basically say? What is the law of influence? (laughs) <laughs> you took good notes. <laughs> that, but, but, but what is the law of influence? That leadership comes out of what? It comes out of influence. That, that, that if you are really going to be an effective leader, it's because you have not position, but because you have influence. Okay? It's not about position. You know, a lot of times people think if I can only accomplish getting in a particular role, function, or position, then I'll be a leader. Huh. That's one of the big problems that we've got in churches. We've got people in positions that don't have any influence. Look, if you're going to have impact for the glory of God, it's going to come out of that influence. What's the third that we talked about? The law of process. The law of process. That there are certain practical processes that we should employ in our life and management and leadership are different leadership requires that there be someone or some uh, processes of management okay so there are things we have to manage in order to carry out leadership if you have a vision and you never get it down to where people live, and you have no processes in place that are measurable, and no goals that you can continually look at and measure your 
progress against, then you don't effectively carry out your vision. Well, today I want to deal with the fourth, and I've only got a few minutes, and so I'm going to have to move, move quickly, and it is the fourth law of these 21 irrefutable laws, and it's the law of navigation. The law of navigation. And um, I'll, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story in just a, a, a moment, but uh, here's what the Bible says. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, when Paul is saying that, he is making a distinction between a child and a son. Okay? What is the difference between a child and a son? Paul says in Romans chapter 8 what the difference is. A child, although an heir, okay? He is an heir. He's a, he has everything that God wants him to have. He just doesn't know it. When my kids were born into my family, they were born, obviously, as children. Babies. Those babies, they had everything that their mama and I had. They already owned it all. They already had it all. And we gladly would give them that. But they didn't know they had it all. You see, Paul is making the distinction between a child and a son. And here is the difference. It's maturity. So he says that a a son is someone who understands how to hear and to follow the Lord. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, the key characteristic of maturity in your life and in my life is being able to listen to the voice of God and then walk in obedience to that voice. It was Dr. Yonggi Cho who made this statement, and I, I heard him make it. He pastored the largest church in the history of Christendom, Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea, South Korea. And I remember hearing him teach a group of pastors over When people ask me why I have been successful, this is my answer. I hear and I obey. I hear and I obey. You want to be fruitful? You want to be successful? Learn what it is to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. Now, I've taught on other times about how you hear that. I'm not going to get into those details today. But I do want to make the point, we must cultivate a listening ear to the voice of the Spirit. Now, herein is the crux of the matter in regard to the law of, na uh, of navigation. Because in its essence, this is what the law of navigation says, is this, that you as a leader must know where you're going. Okay? Uh, someone described that, that this distinctive difference between people who are true leaders and people who are just think they're leaders. You see, if you're a leader, you, it, pre, it is already, it presupposes the fact that you know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, 
how will you ever know when you get there? All right? How will you know which way to take people if you don't know where you're going? And so we must hear what God wants to say. What is God speaking over our life? What are the prophetic words that have been given over our life? I, I, want to, I want to tell you this. It's so important. Make sure when people prophesy over you and they speak over you, you if you listen to the voice of the Spirit again and again, there will be a scarlet thread that runs through those prophecies. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times that I'm called to be a father in the body of Christ. There's a scarlet thread. I'm a father. I know I'm a father. I know that's what I'm called to. I know I have an apostolic calling on my life. I've heard it a thousand times. Different people, different places, different voices, but they all keep saying the same thing again and again and again. This is what, there's a scarlet thread that runs through. So I take hold of it. This is, uh, Paul says to his son in the faith, Timothy, learn to fight according to the prophecies. You wage war according to the prophecies that have been given over your life. Tyler's, we're praying for you today. This whole thing about an evangelist, this calling an evangelist, coming forth with such strength. and so You, you grab a hold of that. It's part of the scarlet thread that's on, on your life. And so it is with all of us. Now look, God calls us, and then God takes us into His purpose. So as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Acts chapter 13, Paul uh, and Barnabas, they're there in the church at Antioch, and he says this, And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. After they had prayed and fasted, verse 4, they laid their hands on them, sent them off, and they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. And they stepped into their apostolic calling. It had been prophesied over them. Now they stepped into it, and now they were on a journey. They were moving out, and they were following God. Now, look, if you don't know where God's calling you to go as an individual, you'll never be able to take people with you. You'll never be able to lead people effectively. So it, 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 that, that is so, so critically important. Here's one principle John Maxwell says, if leaders can't navigate the people through rough waters, he is liable to sink the entire ship. Here is one principle, and I believe this with all my heart, the real test of a leader's capacity to lead is not when everything is going good. The real test of a leader's capacity to lead is when everything is going bad. When it's all collapsing around you. When you're loaded down with weights of problems. So in other words, if you don't like problems, you won't like leadership. <laughs> okay? You think you want to be in leadership? Welcome to problems. Because the real test of your leadership is how well you solve problems. How well you bring people through the problem and the difficulty into a solution that produces fruit for the glory of God. So a lot of times what people want, they want a nice, peaceful, quiet life that's problem free and they think they want leadership. Man, I just love to be the pastor. 
of the church. Man, I just love, I wish I was the pastor of the church. Man, you only have to work one day a week. You play golf the other times. I wish I were the pastor of the church. I'm like, yeah, really? Really? It's all about problem solving. It's about being able to hear and know what God wants you to do in any given situation. And it's about being able to wisely guide step by step in a systematic fashion a people into the things that God has promised to do. Tell you a quick story. Um, this is interesting. In 1911, there were two groups of explorers that set out on a mission to be the first in history to reach the South Pole. Two different groups. One group was led by a Norwegian explorer, Raoul Amundsen. The other group led by Raoul Officer. Former, or the first one, the, the Norwegian, he obeyed the law of navigation. The latter, though more experienced, violated the law, and you guess which one made history. Here is how each led, each explorer led the team. The Norwegian explorer in regard to the mode of transportation, he studied the methods of the Eskimos to determine what their best course of action needed to be in regard to transport. And so he settled on dog sleds. He figured if he was going to the South Pole, he'd probably need to look at people who would go to the South Pole and lived at the South Pole. And so he said, they'd use dog sleds, we'll use dog sleds. The other guy thought he was a lot smarter. And so he said, I'll tell you what, we're living in the modern age now, and we have motorized vehicles. So we will use motorized sledges, and we will also have ponies carrying the load. Within five days, the motors froze up, and the ponies died. In regard to the team, Amundsen chose expert skiers and dog handlers when recruiting his team. In other words, he was looking at not just the mode of transportation, but he was now looking at who are the team people that fit best the objective that we're looking to accomplish here. In other words, if you're building a team, make sure you get the right players on the team. Um, have any of you ever read the book, From Good to Great? Well worth reading if you haven't read it. But one of the points that he makes is this, that you must get the right people on the bus and the right people in the right seats. So he chose expert skiers and dog handlers when recruiting his team. Robert Scott made a last-minute decision to take along a fifth man, even though he, they had been pre prepared uh, with supplies for only four 
and even those four did not have the kind of, they were more uh, proficient in dealing with horses than they were in dealing with dogs. They didn't have to, after five days, they didn't have to worry about the horses. They just needed to do funerals for horses. In regard to the workload, the dogs did most of the work on, uh, when the group traveled with Amundsen and it left them plenty of time, the rest of them, uh, plenty of time to rest and, and, and maintain their strength. Uh, in the work, regard to the workload, the ponies, as I've already commented, didn't fare too well. And it ended up putting all of the extra work on the people, which basically says if you build your team wrong, you'll end up carrying an inordinate amount of the load. All right? You know, some people never empower other people to lead. They never give away something. And if they do give it away, they give it away to the wrong people. I will tell you something. You'll never be fruitful or successful as a leader if you do. I've got to move quickly through this. Uh, bottom line, when it was all said and done, there's many more things I could talk about. Amundsen beat Scott's team to the South Pole by more than a month. And so when Scott finally got to the South Pole, he found a Norwegian flag flying because Amundsen had already been there. Amundsen had already been there and turned around and gone back home. Scott got there, found a Norwegian flag, turned around to go back home, ended up dying before he, he was 150 miles from his home base before he, and he died. There's a lot of lessons in this. That if you don't build your team right, and you don't gather around you the right people, you'll never be fruitful or successful. Let me give you quickly some points in regard to how to apply the law of navigation in your leadership. First of all, see the whole trip in your mind before you leave the dock. In other words, do you know where God's taking you to? Do you know what God's called you to do, to call you to accomplish? A lot of times we are tactical. How many of you know the difference between being tactical and being strategic? A tactical person only sees the issue at hand. A strategic person sees the entirety of the picture. Secondly, have a vision for getting to the destination. What is it that God's called you to do? Do you have an overarching vision that enables you to get to the ultimate destination God has called you to? Next, understand what it's going to take. What do you need in order to carry out what God has called you to? What do you need in people? What do you need in resources? What do you need in buildings? What do you need in finance? I appreciate what Justin was saying earlier about raising money. Money is something that's a necessary part. Let me make this point about leadership. You'll never be a good leader if you can't raise money. <laughs> critically, critically important. Most ministries don't fail because of lack of spirituality. They fail for lack of money. Number four. Recognize the obstacles that there are long before you start your trip. In other words... Here's a proverb for you. A wise man sees danger and takes refuge. Do you know something? If you think through what you're going to carry out, you can encounter the obstacle before you ever leave. And then you already have a solution. 
you have a solution for the problem before you've ever encountered the problem. Next, examine the conditions before making commitments. Count the cost before making commitments for yourself and others. Next, listen to what others have to say. And don't be the one that's got all the answers. Get ideas from other sources. Before Amundsen left on his expedition to the South Pole, he learned from a group of Native Americans about warm clothing and Arctic survival techniques. Just be smart. Be wise. Listen to other people. Can I, can I make this point? You, there is nobody that doesn't have something wise to contribute if you've got an ear to hear. That means people who have never been down the road have something to contribute if you're willing to listen. Lastly, make sure your conclusions represent both faith and fact. You need to have faith, but you need to be realistic by not ignoring the facts. Good navigators know how to balance both. I think that is so important. You know, I sit with Jeff all the time. We talk about, a lot of times, practical, practical stuff. I am full of faith about where we're going and how we're going to get there. But when it comes to paying the bills, I pay attention to the numbers. I don't write checks based on what I don't have, but based on what I do have. That's fact. It doesn't separate me from faith. Faith, I can believe God for the moon. In fact, the day I called Jeff and I said, look, I believe we need to sow a seed. He said, I'm in agreement with that. I said, this is what I'm believing God for. And uh, we went out on a limb and we sowed $5,000 into getting Jewish people out of Russia back to Israel. I said, look, I want to be a, if God's already said he's going to bless those who bless Israel, I'm going to bless Israel. Hello? He says he's going to curse those who curse. I want to be on the blessing side, not the cursing side. So just, that's kind of being smart, I think. And so I said, let's, let's give. So we gave $5,000 from the church, money we did not have. Sandy and I gave money. We said, we want, we want to be blessed. We want to be blessed. And I will tell you, I have watched in the few days that's followed, God carrying out his word and blessing. You see, both faith and fact, we are measured in our response. This is wisdom in leadership, wisdom in leadership. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called us by the Holy Spirit. But you've called us also to be very practical, to be wise, to observe the natural, and then from that to draw upon the supernatural to have wise solutions to natural problems. Help us, God, as leaders, that we carry our people to the intended destination for your glory. And I give you the thanks and the praise for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.